0: You're listening to audio from Queen City Church. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message will encourage you and offer practical steps for a relationship with God that keeps getting better and better. We are in week number nine of a 10-week series that we're calling Truly Free. And it's a series all about freedom. And here is our theme verse for this series, John chapter 8, verse 36, where Jesus says, so if I set you free, if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. And just to make sure uh, that you know, that's what I've been praying for you, that for the last couple months, man, I've been praying that you would experience that, that you would experience the life that God wants for you, that you would experience the life that, that Jesus actually paid for you to experience here, is that you would not just go to heaven one day, but that you would experience heaven right here on earth, that you would be free, and that you would be truly free. And, um, And we got two more weeks in this series. And here's the big idea over the next two weeks as we finish this series. Here's kind of where we're going the next two weeks, this week and next week. Here's the big idea, okay? You ready for it? Freedom is not defined by what is absent. Freedom is defined by who is present. That is where we're going today and next Sunday. That's the big idea is that freedom is not defined by what is absent. Freedom is defined by who is present. Let me say it this way, that freedom is not the absence of something. Freedom is the presence of someone. And Jesus actually talks about this in Matthew chapter 12 in verse 43, listen to what Jesus says. He says, when an evil spirit leaves a person, when you experience freedom, We've talked a lot about that. That a lot of times in this series, that what we experience is not just—it's not just like uh, what we're experiencing. A lot of times, our battle is not against flesh and blood. That there's a very spiritual battle that happens, and that when an evil spirit leaves a person, when you experience freedom, it goes into the desert seeking rest but finding none, and then it says, "I will, rep- I will return to the person I came from." So it returns and finds its former home empty, swept, and in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there so that the person is worse off than before. And so listen, I know that that's like a very like heady, what does that mean? Here's what I want you to see is that the goal is not just to get the wrong things out. Like the goal isn't just for your house, or your life to be empty, swept, and in order. That's not the point of this series. The point of this series is let's get all the wrong things out so that your house and your life can be empty, swept, and in order. That's only the first step. The goal is not just to get the wrong things out. The goal is to get the right things in. So, it, so when those wrong things try to come back, there's no room for them in your house. There's no room for them in your life. In Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 it actually tells us to be full of something. Ephesians 5:18 says be filled with the Holy Spirit. So let me say it again, freedom is not defined by what is absent. Freedom is defined by who is present. So freedom is not the absence of unforgiveness and pride and lust and shame and addiction and, and, and bad habits and destructive cycles of behavior, unhealthy thinking, or the same sin over and over again. No, freedom is the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that's why 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, it says that wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is, say it with me, freedom. It says if you wanna know where freedom is, it's not the absence of something the presence of someone, that wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So for the next two weeks, we're going to finish out this freedom series by talking all about the Holy Spirit. There is no way that we can do a big series on freedom and not talk about the Holy Spirit. Now, in my experience, I've been doing full-time ministry now for 20 years, this topic, talking about the Holy Spirit, can have a lot of baggage attached to it. Some of you may be thinking right there, okay, this is where I find out that the church is weird. Uh, this is where I find out, oh my goodness, is there any way that I can get out of here? Is there any way he's gonna pray? Because if he, if he prays, I'm jetting. I'm jetting during that prayer. How can I get out of here? Uh, but there's a lot of times there's baggage attached to this because of how we grew up and our past experiences with the Holy Spirit. And here's what I know. I'm fully aware that we have people from all types of backgrounds in our church. That's actually one of the things I love most about our church is that we have people that have grown up in all different denominations and, and all types of like church experience. Some people have grown up their entire life in church. Other people have, have, have never really grown up in church and we're all here in the same room and God has us here and that we can all take a step forward in our spiritual journey. I love that about our church, but also realize that that's a very real thing. And so maybe you're here today and you would say, no, Brian, I grew up in a church where the Holy Spirit was abused. And maybe that's what you would say, is that that's how I grew up. I grew up in a church where the Holy Spirit was abused, where people would just play what I call a Holy Spirit card and just often just to get what they wanted. And so a lot of times people would say the Holy Spirit said this, therefore you have to do this because I didn't say it, the Holy Spirit said it. And let me just go ahead and just say this right here. Let me help you. That was wrong and that was spiritual manipulation. And that, that, that is literally, it's, it's where the Holy Spirit in a way is almost weaponized. Or maybe you grew up in a church where the people's experience with the Holy Spirit like created different spiritual levels. So I'm here and you're here based purely on our experience with the Holy Spirit. Almost it created, almost like there are JV Christians and Varsity Christians. And let me just go ahead and tell you, like that, 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 that's wrong. Like that, that's just not, maybe that's how you grew up. Or maybe you're here and you grew up in a church where the Holy Spirit was avoided Maybe for you, you'd be like, no, I grew up, I didn't grow up in a church like that. I grew up in a church where the Holy Spirit was avoided. That was me. That that was my story. Uh, I, I grew up in church. I was in church my entire life. There's never been one season of my life where I've been away from the house of God. And I grew up in a church where the Holy Spirit was literally never talked about. I cannot remember one message about the Holy Spirit. Even when people were baptized, guys, people wouldn't say, like when you get baptized at our church, we say, you're baptized in the, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They wouldn't even say that. They'd say, in the name of the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. I'd be like, ghost? There's a ghost? And then they never told me about the ghost. And so I was like, what is going on here? But I, I grew up in a church where the Holy Spirit was avoided, maybe that's your story. Maybe you're here and you would say, no, Brian, I grew up in a church where the Holy Spirit, it wasn't abused or avoided, it was just weird. I just grew up in a where the Holy Spirit was weird, where everything labeled Holy Spirit was just goofy and overly charismatic, maybe a little bit of out of control. And now, as a result of growing up in an environment like that, now anytime the Holy Spirit is brought up, there's like this spiritual stiff arm that you give. Because things, honestly, were just straight-up weird. And let me make this crystal clear. The Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird. (laughs) But the Holy Spirit is not weird. Let's let's just be honest. Those people would have been weird without the Holy Spirit, right? (laughs) Because... Because the Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird. And by the way, don't let something that was packaged the wrong way keep you from experiencing all that God has for you. I think it's very important that you don't let past experience keep you from what God has for you right now. Let me say it this way. Don't reject something because you had bad information about it. And so maybe you would grow up and you would say, man, man, that's how I grew up but maybe there's a group of people in here that'll say, I didn't grow up in church, so I don't know about the Holy Spirit, which means you've just never been taught about the Holy Spirit. And so maybe any time that that comes up, there, you, may, you may even wrestle with like fear of the unknown or confusion or questions or even doubt about the Holy Spirit. And listen, regardless of your background, Regardless of your past experience, regardless of your level of understanding today, regardless of where you are in your spiritual journey, I'm asking you to lean in with an open mind and an open heart to receive all that God has for you over the next two weeks. Are you with me? Are you with me? Will you lean in? Not not to hear what I have to say, but to hear what God wants to say to you over the next two weeks. And this week if you're taking notes, which I hope you are, my goal is to simply answer this question, who is the Holy Spirit? That is the question that we're going to answer today. So if you if you're taking notes, would love for you to write that down, who is the Holy Spirit. And today we're going to primarily be in three chapters of the Bible, John chapter 14, John chapter 15 and John chapter 16. Now these are three chapters in the Bible, but it's actually one very long conversation that Jesus had with his disciples the night before that he would go to the cross, before he would be arrested, before he would be, be, go on the cross, before he would do this. He has this long conversation that John actually writes out in these three chapters. And in all three chapters, the main topic of conversation that Jesus keeps bringing up over and over again is the Holy Spirit. And the entire conversation can be summed up like this. Jesus says, I'm gonna go away. Like I'm not gonna be here on earth anymore, but don't be upset because I'm gonna send someone else to you. I'm gonna send you the Holy Spirit that's even better than me, that's gonna always be with you and always help you. In fact, let me show you one verse where he says this. John chapter 16, verse seven. It says, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate, meaning the Holy Spirit, won't come. But if I do go away, then I will send him to you. And here's what I want us to see, guys. I want you to think about the significance of this verse. I want you to think about how big of a statement Jesus makes here. This is Jesus. This is the son of God. And he says, it's better that I go away so that the Holy Spirit can come. Do you understand the significance and the bigness of that statement? This is the same guy who in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. This is the same guy who in John chapter six, verse 35 says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. You will have contentment in your soul like you've never experienced before. This is the same guy who said in John chapter eight, verse 12, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. This is the same guy who in John chapter 14, verse six says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. This is the same guy who in John chapter 10, verse 10 says, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. This is the same guy who in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he did countless miracles. He healed countless people. He fed 5,000 people on a happy meal. He walked on water. He turned water into wine. And this is the guy who said, guys, trust me. It is better for me to go so that he can come. Think about the bigness of that statement. He says, there's someone even better than me. There's the Holy Spirit. So who is the Holy Spirit? Three things and then we'll respond. Number one, write this down. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. John chapter 14, in verse 16 through 17, here's what Jesus says. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, talking about the Holy Spirit, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit, who leads you into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. I want you to notice in those verses, Jesus never calls the Holy Spirit an it. Six different times in these two verses, the Holy Spirit is called by Jesus, he or him. In fact, in those three chapters in John 14, 15, and 16, the Holy Spirit is called He or Him eighteen different times. So I challenge you: when you are talking about the Holy Spirit, when you are thinking about the Holy Spirit, don't refer to Him as It. Let me say it this way: get the It out, okay? Like don't like because because He is not an It. Let me make this very clear. He is not a mystical force. He is not an energy. He is not just the goosebumps that you feel in worship sometimes. He is not an it. He is a person. And church, here's why this is so important. Please, like, lean into this. This is why this is so important for me to teach this part of who the Holy Spirit is. Because if you don't see him as a person, you will never have a personal relationship with him. That's why it's so important. Listen, you will never have a personal relationship with an it. And so I wanna encourage you to make sure that we understand that the Holy Spirit is a person because if we don't see him as a person, you will not have a personal relationship with him. So number one, the Holy Spirit is a person. Number two, The Holy Spirit is God. Not only is He a person, but He's a person who is God. Now, let's talk a little bit of theology, because in in theology, it's so important to understand that God is one in three, and He is three in one. The theological term, it's actually a doctrine in the Christian faith known as the Trinity, meaning God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Now this can be very confusing for a lot of people. I mean, people can hear that sometimes and they're like, okay, so let me get this straight. There's one God, but there's God the Father, and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And they're not that, but they're all God, and they're, they're, they're three, but they're really one. And just a lot of times it's like, what? Like that can be so confusing. In fact, Tim Keller, he calls it the dizzying doctrine of the Trinity. That's what he calls it. He calls it, man, it's so dizzy. I I mean, here's how I I think sometimes in in GIF. And so this is how I think about it sometimes. It's like when we think about the I just just think of that. It's like, what? Okay, try to figure out what, how does that work? It's okay, he's God, but he's not. And so, but let me tell you one of my favorite parts about my job. One of my favorite parts about my job is explaining very deep, complex, biblical truth in very simple ways. It's one of my favorite things to do. I I find it such a rewarding challenge to be able to figure out how can I say something that is very deep and confusing and try to say it in a very simplistic way. And personally, it has to be simplistic for me to understand. Um, I I, I have a Middle Tennessee public school education. Uh, We did not come in first in any list. And so it's very important for me to be able to explain it on a very simple way so that I can understand it. And so I wanna I want show you this. Here's a diagram that has really helped me wrap my mind around the Trinity. And, and I'm, we're gonna put this up there. And I wanna encourage you to even maybe take a picture of this because I do not have time to explain all of this, but this has a lot of like additional resources on here and a lot of different scriptures that really helps explain Like this whole doctrine of the Trinity, I I think it's really important for us to be able to get it. But let me do my best to kind of do the Cliff Notes version of what you're seeing up here. First of all, there is only one God, that that there are not three gods. And by the way, that is the difference between monotheism and what is known as polytheism. So monotheism is that there is one God. Polytheism believes that there are multiple gods, and so, like, this is the difference between that. But that one true God exists at the same time, at all times, for eternity, in three very unique, distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So all three are unique and distinct from each other, yet all three are still unified and working as the one true God. Now let me be a a Bible nerd just for a moment and let me show you a verse in the Bible where all three are present at the same exact time. Luke chapter three, verse 22, it says, and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him, that's Jesus, that's God the Son, like a dove, and a voice from heaven, who is God the Father, said you are my dearly beloved son and you bring me great joy. One in three and three in one. God the Holy Spirit, God the Son, and God the Father all in one verse, and get this guys, I know it can make your brain come out of your ears a little bit, but all three are God. Let me show you one more verse, Acts chapter five, verse three. And four, it says, then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit, and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell and not to sell as you wish. And then after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. In other words, that lying to the Holy Spirit is the same thing. as lying to God. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is God. So who is the Holy Spirit? Number one, the Holy Spirit is a person. Number two, the Holy Spirit is God. And then number three, the Holy Spirit is an advocate. And by the way, I'm so excited to teach on this one today. The Holy Spirit is an advocate. And this is the one that stands out most When you read through those three chapters, John chapter 14, 15, and 16, you hear it over and over again, Jesus constantly referring to the Holy Spirit as an advocate. Let me show you three examples. John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. Later in verse 25, he says, I'm telling you these things now while I am with you, but when the, but when the Father sends the advocate as my, rep- as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. And then the next chapter in John chapter 15, verse 26, he says, but I will send you the advocate, the spirit of Truth over and over again in these three chapters, Jesus uses the word advocate to describe the Holy Spirit. Now, in the original Greek, it's the word Parakletos. Okay, let's all get our Greek on this morning. And let's all say Parakletos on the count of three: one, two, three. Parakletos. Very good, you Greek scholars. And that's the, that's the word. So the New Testament was the original manuscripts were written in the Greek language, and this is the word over and over again. It's this word parakletos, which is made up of two Greek words, para, which means to stand alongside, and then kletos, which means to declare, to call, or to argue. And this word has been translated a lot of different ways. If you read through all the different versions of the Bible, you'll see this word described in a lot of different ways. You'll see the word advocate, like like in the NLT, what we've been reading. You'll see counselor. You'll see comforter. You might see the word intercessor. And you might see the word helper. But after studying this word, I humbly think that the best way to translate it is this, legal advocate or attorney. I think it's the best way. It's to stand alongside and argue. It's a legal advocate or attorney. Here's what I think Jesus is saying in these verses. I'm gonna send you a legal advocate and attorney to stand alongside you and defend you against any and all accusations that is with you at all times. So here's what that means. That means anytime the enemy, anytime the devil, who is known as the father of lies, when he comes and he starts to give his lies, anytime he comes and attacks you and comes at you with his lies, your legal advocate goes to work and defends you with the truth. And anytime he comes, and let me tell you one of the ways that he'll come the most is he'll come for your identity, and so anytime the enemy comes and he tries to get you to question your identity, who you really are, your legal advocate goes to work and he gets right beside you and he says, no, 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 let me, def- let me remind you of who you really are. Let me remind you that you are a child of God. In fact, in Romans chapter 8, verse 15 and 16, we see this. It says, so you have not received a spirit which makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you receive God's spirit when he adopted you as as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Church, that is who you are. If you wanna know the very first thing on all the different hats that we wear, from, from being, this is my job, this is my career, this is what I do, this is my, my role in my family. I am a son, I am a daughter, I'm a mom, I'm a dad, I'm a brother, I'm a sister, I'm a grandfather, I'm a grandmother. Of all the different hats that we wear, I'm a Bengals fan, I'm all, like whatever the case is. You wanna know the very top of it, the one that God says. He says, you are my son and you are my daughter. And this, this verse says that the Holy Spirit is our legal advocate that stands beside us and argues anytime that that identity tries to get questioned. It says, let me remind you who you are. You are a son and the daughter of the Most High God. And not only does the Holy Spirit defends you against any and all accusations and against every lie of the enemy? Not only does he remind you of your true identity, he also defends you against any and all temptation. So when temptation comes, so when those old habits come back, so when the temptation that you've battled with for decades tends to come back, whenever you deal with the same addiction or those same sin patterns, they try to come back. That's when your legal advocate goes to work. And by the way, hear this loud and clear, he doesn't condemn you. Romans chapter eight, verse one says, there are, there's now no condemnation for those who are found in Christ Jesus. Condemnation does not come from God. It does not come from the Holy Spirit. He does not condemn you, but he does convict you. Let me show you this. John chapter 16, verse seven and eight, it says, but in fact, it is better for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate, he won't come. If I go away, then I will send him to you. Listen, and when he comes, he will convict, not condemn. He will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Come on, how many of you know that we need a healthy dose of conviction in our life? And there's, the Holy Spirit is a legal advocate that stands beside you. And anytime temptation comes, uh uh-uh, don't go there. You've been down that road before, remember? Remember where that led you? No, I've got a better life for you. And he comes and he goes to work and he does that. And not only does the Holy Spirit convict you of sin, he also gives you the power to overcome and defeat sin. So if you've ever struggled with the same sin over and over again, if this series, if this series has made you feel defeated, and it's brought more condemnation to you than it's helped you, because it's like I don't want to keep doing the same things, but I keep doing them. And if you've ever struggled with the same thing, and you, I mean I've tried so many things but it doesn't seem to help. If you've ever struggled, listen up. I've got some really good news for you. The Holy Spirit can give you the power to change what your willpower and what your effort never could. You wanna know why? Because in Romans chapter eight, verse 11, it says the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, it says lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, which I would say took some power, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Here's what that means. That the same power that defeated death, the same exact power that conquered the grave dies and lives in you. The same power. That rose Jesus from the dead over 2,000 years ago, if you are a follower of Jesus, lives on the inside of you. And that means that you have the power to change things that you never thought were possible. But as we end today, I want to make sure that you see one detail that honestly, I don't think I ever thought about until I started studying for this a couple weeks ago. I want want you to see one very important detail in a verse that we've already read, John chapter 14, verse 16, where Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is going to be another advocate. He doesn't say he's going to be the first advocate, he says he's going to be another advocate. And here's what that tells me there's another advocate, (laughs) there's a first advocate. So my question is, I'm a very curious person. I don't know if you are. My mind, I read that. And I'm like, so who in the world is the first advocate? Well, I'm so glad that you asked that question because let me show you this scripture. It's a beautiful scripture. In 1 John chapter 2, verse one, it says, my dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ. The one who is truly righteous. And if you want to know what Jesus is doing right now, in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, it says, therefore he, our advocate Jesus, he's able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God. Legal advocate. To intercede with God on their behalf. See, Jesus is our first advocate who is in heaven right now, pleading our case to God and is always interceding for us. Now, I don't know what you think of when you think of that. I can tell you what I used to think of. I told you, I've grown up in church. I've heard about Jesus from the time I was born. And so for the longest time, I had this religious filter over how I saw Jesus. And for the longest time, I used to read things like that. And I would always think that what that meant was that every time that I sinned, every time that I messed up, it's like Jesus was in heaven holding off God. Saying like, God, God, I know he messed up, but don't abandon Brian. Like like don't give up on Brian. Like do, like, don't don't strike him down because he's doing that right now. Like don't just cut him loose. Just give him one more chance and then if I mess up again, oh God, please don't do it. Just give him one more chance. Just give him one more chance. But that's not what he's doing. I don't know if you've ever seen a movie or a TV show where there's been a courtroom. That's not what's happening. I don't know if you ever had jury duty. That's not what the legal advocate does. That's not what happens. Because I want you to see this. That's not what he's doing because a legal advocate doesn't just plead for mercy. A legal advocate pleads for justice. A legal advocate, an attorney, they make a legal case that's based on the law. They're not just begging the judge for mercy. And that's what Jesus is doing. Here's what he's doing. He's in heaven right now. And he's saying, Father, you are just. And sin always demands payment. And Brian has no doubt sinned. And that sin, it must be paid for. But Father, I am the payment. Remember what I did on the cross. Remember my broken body. Remember my poured out blood. I already paid for that sin. And it would actually be unjust to make two payments for the same exact sin. So I'm not pleading for mercy. I'm pleading for justice for Brian because I have already paid for his sins. Therefore he cannot pay for his sins. Listen, Jesus, our advocate in heaven is not pleading for mercy, he's pleading for justice. That's what our legal advocate in heaven is doing up there. But I want you to see what our legal advocate, the Holy Spirit, is doing down here. John chapter 15, verse 26. Again, Jesus talking. He says, but I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and he will testify all about me in other words your advocate on earth the holy spirit is always pointing to your advocate in heaven jesus making the work of the advocate in heaven so beautiful that it actually changes your life and some of you right now are experiencing this it feels like jesus even right now and maybe it's been a while Maybe it's been weeks, maybe it's been years, maybe it's been decades, but it feels like Jesus is straight up chasing after you. And like, no matter what you do, he won't go away. See, Revelation chapter three explains it as he's knocking on the door of your heart. I want you to know that is the Holy Spirit at work. That is our advocate on earth pointing to our advocate in heaven. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse three, last scripture. It says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. He's our advocate on earth that is always pointing towards our advocate in heaven. So who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is an advocate. If there is anything in your life that we can pray for, please visit queencitypeople.com prayer. For the latest updates on our church, follow us on social media at Queen City People or visit queencitypeople.com.